freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is... Be the ball. Be the ball. Do you recognize that voice? That is Chevy Chase from the 1980s comedy movie Caddyshack. So it's actually one of my favorite quotes because, you know, it just it pops into my head from time to time when, you know, I'm trying to focus or I'm, I'm trying to tackle something new. And I, I hear Chevy Chase say, Be the ball. <laughs> So, of course, that was a it was a funny movie, but there are so many interesting things we could take from it. I mean, he he went into this stuffy and swampy kind of golf resort and he was the brash, young, but talented golfer who was teaching the next generation. This young Danny, who was a caddy to, uh, you know, focus in, shut out the noise. And and uh, the secret to his success was to be the ball. So, you know, I was thinking about that and what makes people effortlessly great at what they do. And then I started thinking about Michael Jordan and how he would interact with his the arena, right, with his fellow players and his opponents and the ball itself and the court, how he interacted in that space made him the champion that we know. And there are so many comparisons to us. How are we playing the game of trying, which isn't a game at all, of course I know, but of trying to protect and defend our constitutional rights? You know, are, are we just having our focus drawn all the time off to the side by the yelling and screaming voices of the rights restrictors, or are we focused the way that Chevy Chase is encouraging young Danny? So I just... Uh, I, I think that there's a lot there if we could stop and really think about how individually we can do so much more while playing on a larger team of people who are focused in the same direction to protect and defend our constitutional rights and uh, be the ball. Be the ball. <laughs> All right. Well, our next guest is waiting on the line Mr. Yehuda Reamer, he is the Pew Pew Jew. He is also the author of Safety On, an introduction to the world of firearms for children. Yehuda is a dad with young children, and he recently authored a blog about what to do when other parents ask if you have guns in your house. Welcome to the show, Yehuda. Thank you for having me, and I, and I have to say that being... I don't know if you were comparing me to Ty Webb and Michael Jordan, but I'll take it. Yeah, you know it. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so let me get this straight. This is Dan. Hey, you you make books for kids about guns and what? safety? <gasps> Gasp. Yeah, I'm pretty radical like that. You know, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about the kids getting hurt, and I don't care about that. I'm just in it for the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really tremendous, and the book it's it's just right for kids, right? It's only a few pages. It's very well illustrated. You know, it's not you know tons and tons of words. It gets right to the point, um, and it's really beautifully done. And and I so appreciate the work that you put into it. But you know the the, the other the right restrictors are saying that kids don't need to be around guns. They don't need to know what a gun is. They don't even need to see an image of a gun because they're safer that way. Hmm. You know, it, it's very funny that you say that, Dan, because I'm actually I as I got the phone call from your producer, I literally just finished writing an article about, uh, or I guess my next blog I'm going to put up later today about not hiding firearms from children in the home. Mm-hmm. So exactly what you just talked on, uh, touched on. Right, because you know the kids are going to come in contact with the firearm at one time in their life. And what better way to, than to teach them what to do when they are approached, you know, with, see a firearm. But there's... Yeah, I mean, it's not even... Sorry, Cheryl. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's not even just, you know, what to do if they come in contact with one. It's, it's a matter of Owning firearms in the home, um, kids are inherently curious. And if you try to hide them from your, your kids, then they will find a way to find out what's in that little black box with numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they will find a way to, to try to figure out how to get into that. Now, will they be successful? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But when you take away the mystique and that coolness of a firearm, then... That, that idea that a child is going to be curious, that you, you're killing the curiosity, you're, you're not going to have to worry about your kids getting their hands on your firearms because they will understand the entire process of owning a firearm. Absolutely. And the proof of the pudding is how often do the kids, you know, bring their friends over and go, hey, psst, come over to this knife drawer and check out all these steak knives we have, Right. Those have just yeah, been normalized, so nobody cares. Exactly. exactly. And I touched on that in my blog today that you'll, you'll get to see later. Oh, well, just keep in mind that the kids, if you have kids and you have firearms, and of course you're responsible, you keep your guns locked up in your house and everything's great. But what about when they go to their friend's house and maybe their friend's parents aren't so responsible? Um, if our kids know how to react when there's a firearm, then they're going to be much safer than going to somewhere and not knowing what a gun is. I, I agree 100%. And it's not, just, it's not just your kids going to other people's houses who might have firearms. You know, I understand that my nine-year-old boy, if he goes to any of my friend's houses that has firearms, I actually trust my child to do the right thing if he encounters a firearm. Now, my, my, my blog that I wrote um, a few weeks ago, last week, really touched on what happens if another parent in your child's class who is either anti-gun or doesn't want to have anything to do with guns or firearms, if they approach you and say, hey, my child wants to have a plate at your house, do you own firearms in the house? 
Mm-hmm. Now, in, in my two years of being in the firearms industry, especially dealing with children and guns and firearms education, I have found this question asked numerous times. And I, the, the, the response that I, I get more often than not is, um, you know, how dare they, they ask me this question, you know, my rights shall, you know, shall not be infringed. What's in, what's in their business? And, and you know, they, they get very defensive um, about that question. And I think that's clearly the wrong approach. I think you now have the opportunity to educate someone who might not be as familiar with firearms as you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the first thing parents have to do who might be, who, who might have that approach of, be, you know, being very combative is, Get off your high horse because you're not God's gift to the human race, and they're not infringing on anybody's rights. The parents who are asking that question truly have one thing in mind, and that is, is my child going to be safe and secure in an environment where firearms are going to be? Mm-hmm. Some parents just don't want to put their kid in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the media paints firearm owners, and, and I'm I'm going to read what I wrote in my blog because I thought it was uh, pretty um, pretty funny if I can just find it. Um, you know, that, yeah, here we go. The, the media paints your, your normal civilian gun owners as a bunch of old, pot-bellied, teeth-missing, ZZ-top-bearded, <laughs> beer-chugging, anti-hygiene, living in a rural area, waving the Confederate flag, whistling Dixie white boys who are part of the anti-American militia, stockpiling copious amounts of firearms and ammo, waiting for the perfect moment to launch the next American revolution. Hold on, you and, hold on, hold on. I don't have a beard. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that, and, that, and that, that's the exact point. I mean, I know, I know Cheryl, and then I know we're all friends with Antonia and, and, and Kevin Dixie and Maj. It's nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Truth, but when a parent asks you, "Do you own firearms in the house?" Take the opportunity to educate them. Tell them, "Yes, I actually do own firearms in the home, but they are locked up at all times unless they are on me. Mm-hmm. Only people who have the who have access to the firearms are my wife and I." And explain to them that you know we're not a bunch of rednecks who mm-hmm. don't know what we're doing, mm-hmm. who are who are, you know, completely, um, you know, uh, oh, God, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, just, you know, irresponsible when dealing with firearms. Right. No, that's the thing. It gives us an opportunity to be great ambassadors and to educate exactly. and to draw them into our world. And, and if we do react in a negative way, we've lost any ability to influence them in a positive manner at all. And that's a hundred percent true. The more you alienate them, the more they will become anti-gun. If you educate them and show them that we're not crazy and that we do take gun safety responsibly and seriously, then you never know. You might have a, a, a parent who's like, "Oh, wow, you know, I didn't realize that there's all these safety precautions. Maybe owning a gun is not such a bad thing." And you could change the perception of either anti-gunners or people who are just not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's the only way to really combat the media narrative and, and the, the democratic narrative that, you know, 
were all a bunch of unruly rednecks. Mm-hmm. Yehuda, I agree 100% with you, but if you look at the the other side of it, let's talk about the gun guy that just, you know, he thinks his rights are being infringed on and all this other stuff. No, I agree with you. I think we should try to educate people that are not familiar with guns, but, you know, they're saying, well, how come they're not, ask, not asking me if I've got a gate around my pool? How come they're not ask, asking if I have uh, knives in my cabinet or the keys to my car? Where are they at? So I understand why are you being pacific with firearms? It's, it is kind of offensive in a way. But I do agree that, you know, we should, when somebody asks, do you have firearms in your home because my kid's going to come over and play with you, the best thing to do is, is explain to them in detail about how your guns are protected from not only their kids but your kids too. Yeah, and, and I, I hear what you're saying um, in terms of, like, you know, the, the pool and the knives on the counter. But those are not taboo subjects. Having right. a pool, everyone wants a pool. Everyone needs knives, you know, but why do we teach babies from the time they're crawling, you know, and, and I know, Cheryl, when you're making one of your amazing pies, you know, <laughs> why, why did you teach your, why, you know, why did your, your daughter teach your granddaughter, and I'm sure you also taught your granddaughter, don't crawl up to the oven and touch the oven. It's hot. Mm-hmm. Even though she didn't necessarily understand what that meant, but you taught them from a young age. And the same thing with knives. How can we all have cooking knives in a block or magnetic, however you have it, but why do you have that on your counter? Because from a young age, from you don't let the kids touch knives, and then when they hit three, four years old, maybe you get them those little tight cutlery sets and let them use these very dull, dull knives that can't hurt anybody. But it, you're, you're educating them. You're teaching them so that by the time they're older, you know, most most eight, nine-year-old boys or girls, they understand knives are dangerous, they can hurt you. Guns is a whole different topic because most kids aren't being taught firearms education anymore, which is a very unfortunate scenario that we find ourselves in the country. So I hear what you're saying in terms of how come, you know, these people are like, well, how come they don't ask about a pool? How come they don't ask about knives? You can't, you, I mean, you could technically categorize guns with that, but at the same time, you can't because guns really are in a league of their own. Right. Well, I understand so, that. that. You that. know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, we were taught, we got our BB guns. And, you know, they, they kind of let us be free with the BB guns to learn that, you know, these guns can't hurt you. And they taught us how to handle those well. And so that we'd be ready for a, a real firearm. But, you know, I it, it's scary because I understand if a, if a neighbor came to me, I'll, I've got guns all over my truck, you know, this uh, the wrap. logo. Wrap. Yeah. But if a neighbor come to me and said, hey, I want, you know, my baby to come play with your grandbaby, I, I wouldn't be offended by it. I, I kind of, I would be honored now with the knowledge that I have that they're concerned and it gives me an opportunity. Now I can talk to them exactly about that. Because if you criticize people, you will never, ever be able to 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 help them understand where you're at. Absolutely. Well, we need to start wrapping up, but Yehuda, you are such a busy dude. You are always doing something new. You are making up some of the funniest um, graphic t-shirts I've seen ever. Uh, You, I think, are working on another book. Um, Talk to us real quickly about those things and how people can follow everything that you're doing. Get themselves some books and some t-shirts. 
So the best place to find me and, and, and stuff that I'm doing would be my website, which is thepewpewjew.com. Um, I do know that my, my next book is being is in the illustration phase, and I'm trying very hard for a May release, uh, late May release. That way, um, people can buy it just in time for July 4th. Uh, and my, like you said, my shirts are uh, funny. I'm I'm trying to do something that I, I really find no one else is doing. I mean, you have great companies like Grunt Style and Ranger Up coming out with great shirts, but most of their shirts are very like patriotic shirts. Mm-hmm. I'm trying I'm trying to make Second Amendment like pro Second Amendment shirts that are cool and in a lot of cases are just laugh out loud funny. Um, I know you saw the one I. I released last night in a handgun shirt and uh, I'm trying to do something and, and really if people want just some fun uh, second amendment shirts that would drive people crazy or as a centerpiece when they go to the range you want to go to the pewpewjew.com um, you'll find me doing a lot of stuff there you'll find me on Instagram at the pewpewjew as well as uh, my Facebook page. So that's if people are interested. I love your assault weapons band sh- uh, shirt. That's, band. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> the tour shirt. The tour shirt. Yeah, I, I figured, you know what, people will have, you know, um, band shirts from the 70s. They still wear them. So I figured assault weapons band um, and all the song names are pretty fun and uh, and kind of making fun of Diane Feinstein because why not? And um, <laughs> she makes it so easy. It's hard not to. It, she does. She she really makes it so easy. Um, I, I'm just waiting for uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez to start bashing guns, and then whatever she says. I mean, I'm probably going to come out with some great shirts because <laughs> if anyone makes it easy, she is just so easy to, to rip on so Bless her i'm excited for that exactly exactly <laughs> no uh, so, but um, yeah you know just working hard and um getting ready for shot show next week got a ton of meetings set up and just crossing my fingers and hoping for the best Absolutely. Well, you have really taken the Second Amendment community by storm. Like you said, like two years ago, uh, you hadn't even written your first book. And now you have like four of them. Uh, You hadn't made your first T-shirt and you've got probably a dozen or more of them. Um, Uh, Like like 45 now. Holy cow. 45. Yeah. Man, one for each day of the month and and then some. I love it. Exactly. I'm looking at one right now. It says, shotgun shells are red, training guns are blue. My AR's black and goes pew, 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 pew. <laughs> a, little poem, a little poem I was inspired to write. Oh, who doesn't want that shirt? That is awesome. And then I have my, uh, sh- uh, what is it? Tactical Shark shirt that I bought from you goes pew 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 pew. <laughs> that shirt, the uh, the train, uh, the shotgun shell one. That's a great Disneyland shirt. I'll wear yes. that to Disneyland. Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that one is a great one. Um, and then I don't know if you saw. I put up two yesterday. One of them I has I haven't really uh, promoted yet. But if you go to the second page of all the T-shirts, whether men or women. Um, it's a one that's a little more biblical. I 
it's uh i don't have that one up i see mortar combat that's huge really cute yeah i i'm i just sent you the the link quickly that way you don't have to search for it oh very good yeah let me see if i can pull that up because that clock is ticking on us i don't want it to cut us off um well you keep up the good work and and so i hear you're coming to the shot show right i am i'm very excited that's next week. I am too. I, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, it's a Moses themed one. I'll just let everybody look it up for themselves. It's called Seas well, and Skulls. I love it. Well, David it's, and Goliath. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. So I love it. That's fantastic. Hey, Yahuda, we got to go, but uh, we will see you soon at SHOT Show. And thank you so much for all you're doing to help keep our kids safe with your children's book, Safety On. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around. On the other side of these ads, we have Dr. Edwin Vieira. He is basically a constitutional scholar. He understands the Second Amendment like no other, and we will be digging deeper into the bump stock ban after these messages. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. 
Well, we are glad you're here with us today. And if you've missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. All 144 other episodes we have posted there. And when you want to put a face with a voice, click on the Guest tab. You'll find photos and bios and links to all of the guests that we've ever had on. It is a wonderful resource, and we don't hate it when you spend time there. All right. Well, our next guest, we've had him on once before, and, you know, I think we could probably fashion an entire show uh, just to dig into the topics that, that we get to with Dr. Edwin Vieira, Jr., Ph.D. He is an expert in the United States Constitution. He's a graduate of Harvard Law School and a member of the bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And I thought, what better person, who better uh, to try to dig a little deeper into this whole bump stock ban uh, than somebody who truly understands the original uh, founders um, reasoning and purpose behind the 27 words that make up our Second Amendment. So welcome to the show, Dr. Edwin Vieira. My, my pleasure being with you. Absolutely. So, you know, it's hard to know where to start. To start. I mean, I think everybody understands now, okay, what what is this plastic bump stock thing? And all right, we understand it's been banned, but mm, all of a sudden it became a, a machine gun. Uh, okay. Um, but why, a lot of times people are like, why do I even care? I don't own one, right? Uh, I wasn't even going to buy one. Uh, so, so I don't care. And you and I believe very firmly that everyone should care for a, at least a, a few reasons. And I'm going to let you jump off from there. Well, I think the primary reason is that the bump stock ban can be extended far beyond bump stocks themselves. Mm-hmm. The BATFE's new regulation reads as follows. The term machine gun includes a bump stock type device. That is a device that allows a semi-automatic firearm to shoot more than one shot with a single pull of the trigger by harnessing the recoil energy of the semi-automatic firearm to which it is affixed so that the trigger resets and continues firing without additional physical manipulation of the trigger by the shooter. Mm-hmm. Well, those are a lot of words, but obviously the BATFE has re- redefined the statutory term machine gun mm-hmm. in order to prevent certain semi-automatic firearms from being bump-fired. The agency's ultimate goal is not just to ban bump stock type devices, but instead to outlaw bump fire itself. Mm-hmm. And to accomplish that, the BATF could simply declare bump fire to be an inherent capability of certain semi-automatic firearms, because obviously no bump stock type device could cause any firearm to bump fire unless that firearm were already capable of being bump fired. Right. So every semi-automatic firearm capable of bump fire could be mischaracterized as inherently a machine gun. And that would include the AR-15, which has a recoil buffer on it that actually causes the gun to move a little forward when fired. Well, they talk about uh, semi-automatic firearms to which is affixed some kind of device, right? Mm -hmm. And that could be a belt loop and a trigger Mm -hmm. finger or a Mm -hmm. string, a rubber band, etc. But on that kind of reasoning... 
the BATFE could ban the private possession of essentially every semi-automatic rifle and probably every semi-automatic handgun and shotgun as well, which the agency could demonstrate to be capable of bump fire by any means whatsoever. Exactly. So we're in a situation where this agency has created a precedent for redefining statutory terms in essentially any way that it wants to twist out of shape. Mm-hmm. And we know that the agency has repeatedly proven itself to be essentially rogue with a very strong and persistent and often irrational bias against Americans' exercise of their rights under the Second Amendment. So one can expect more redefinitions as time goes by, especially if, or maybe I should say when, the Democratic Party regains control of the White House. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous situation. Well, it is. And just even, you know, the, it's a bump stock, right? So something's bumping up against the trigger. So in a machine gun, you pull the trigger once, and as long as it's depressed, projectiles will come out of, of the end of the, the um, firearm. With the bump stock, it is individual trigger pulls being caused by this bumping action. So it, that right there does not, the logic train jumps the tracks. Well, they're not particularly interested in logic because, as you know, when the manufacturers of bump stocks first wanted to put them on the market, they contacted the BATFE to make sure that those devices were not subject to any kind of regulation as machine guns or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the agency said, no, they were not subject to regulation. So here we have a redefinition of a term contradictory to the agency's earlier position and contradictory, as you pointed out, to the actual mechanical way that machine guns fire as opposed to semi-automatic firearms fire. Mm -hmm. So they are not interested in logic. They are not interested in precedent. They are not interested in the technical truth of what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is an entirely political decision that results in a redefinition of a statutory term that is a term that was defined by congress Mm -hmm. which is another very dangerous aspect of this in general that agencies can on their own initiative redefine terms that congress has defined in a statute that gives the agency an actual lawmaking power that's what we see happening here yes but but my point is that with the definition that they've given or the redefinition that they've given they can now apply that what I would call plastic language, and mold it to fit any semi-automatic firearm that someone in the BATF's laboratory can take out into the field and make bump fire. Mm -hmm. And from what I have seen on the Internet, quite a few semi-automatic firearms that no one in his right mind would consider to be machine guns in Mm -hmm. the technical sense Mm -hmm. can be made to bump fire. Right. And the reason they can be made to bump fire is that that semi-automatic mechanism Mm -hmm. and the particular recoil impulse of the firearm involved Mm -hmm. makes that firearm capable of bump fire. So you see, the logic of this definition or redefinition that the BATFE has created can be applied to semi-automatic firearms if someone can go out in the field and make them bump fire. Yes, That's the grave difficulty. And, of course, the gun control people in this country are looking for any argument, any mm-hmm. excuse, mm-hmm. any rationalization to ban as many firearms from as many people's possession as quickly as possible. And you see in the last few years they have been attacking uh, 
semi-automatic firearms of the AR-15 or the AK-47 type from various directions. Mm -hmm. Uh, These things are dangerous to public safety. These things are weapons of war. These things are assault firearms. They love that term. Mm -hmm. Anything, any label that can be applied to cause some kind of regulation, and in many states, Maryland's a good example recently, they passed a statute, uh, I think it was 2013, which was recently upheld in the infamous decision called Colby versus Hogan, uh, which bans possession of all of these. There's a long laundry list of what they call assault firearms, Mm -hmm. uh, private possession of which has been banned. And then, of course, they include in those bans the so-called large-capacity magazines, etc., things that are associated with the so-called assault firearms. So what the BTA... BATFE has given these people is now a new rationalization for banning not simply the black rifles, the AK-47s, the AR-15s, and the various clones, but any semi-automatic rifle that somebody can demonstrate capable of bump fire, because the goal of this regulation is not simply to ban these devices. The impetus for the whole thing was that these devices allowed semi-automatic rifles to fire at what is perceived to be a very high rate, akin to a machine gun, and kind of the public perception of this, right? Sure. So what they're really looking at is bump fire itself, and if you can make a semi-automatic firearm bump fire, because inherently the semi-automatic firearm is capable of, of, of that action, then you can make the argument, that this thing comes under the general concept of a machine gun as in, in the way the BATF is now redefining it. Mm-hmm. Well, where will that go in a state such as Maryland, Massachusetts, oh. New yeah. York, Connecticut, New Jersey, California? <clears throat> yeah. I, I can see situations in which under the machine gun laws of those states, which usually have pretty vague in some cases definitions of machine guns, that an attorney general could now redefine that state law to to say that semi-automatic firearms capable of bump fire are machine guns, because the BATF has told us that. Well, Dr. Vera... Hang on one second. And under state law, that would be binding even on the federal courts. Mm. This is dangerous stuff. Someone could not go into a federal court and claim a Second Amendment challenge on the basis that that state law was wrong or wrongly Mm -hmm. interpreted because it is the state officials that have the final authority to interpret their own laws. Mm. What scares me about this is, you know, you keep mentioning rifles, and almost any uh, semi-automatic pistol can be bump-fired without anything. That's what he's saying. And that's on a pistol. Absolutely. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Take some of the shotguns. Yeah. So it it only depends upon the basic semi-automatic mechanism and the recoil impulse. I don't suppose you could fire a, a Ruger 1022 you know, rifle bump fire. Or maybe someone has, has done that. I've never seen that on the internet. Mm-hmm. It has to have a certain amount of, of recoil Im- right. impulse. Uh, but how many semi-automatic rifles, semi-automatic pistols, and semi-automatic shotguns have that capability? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and, and you know what happens when they do one of these tests in the BATF? They might do it a hundred times, yeah. and it's the hundred and first time they get it to work. Right. Exactly. Right. And it's the hundred and first <laughs> time that counts. We made it do this, therefore it's a machine gun. Mm. 
So is this ruling in effect now, or is it pending, or is this final draft? It's the law. Well, it's quote-unquote in effect. There are lawsuits that have already been filed against it. Uh, they raise a number of subsidiary issues that the BATF didn't give a, a sufficient amount of, of, of uh, notice and didn't give hearing to interested parties. Uh, they get to the point that this is the simple, what I think is the simple constitutional point, that the BATF does not have the authority to redefine, add to a statutory definition given by Congress. Amen. And that ought to close the door. Yeah, right, right, right there. That ought to shut it down. An agency doesn't have this authority, period, no matter what the reasoning may be. Mm -hmm. And that's what Trump should have said mm -hmm. initially. President mm -hmm. Trump, he should have said, look, I can't take this to the BATFE because they don't have the authority to change this definition mm -hmm. to encompass these bump stock devices. Uh, notwithstanding also that they had already ruled earlier that bump stock devices were not covered. Well, the machine gun uh, this law... This has to go to Congress. This yeah. has to go to Congress. And that would have been the end of it. Right. The machine gun law is very clear-cut. There's no... It's, it's very clear. But the bump stock, trying to put that in that, they should have done something different if that's their goal. Not even affect the machine gun ruling. Well, this whole thing was riding on the wave of, of emotion because there were these horrible murders, of course, in Las Vegas. And, you know, nobody, not nobody, very few people had ever even heard of a bump stock until that event. And as far as I understand, uh, the FBI won't even release the, uh, the police reports to let us know, was the bump stock even used in these murders? And yet, here we are on the other side of this plastic device accessory being banned. Like, we just checked our logic at the door. We just, we just ran with the emotion. And now we've got to try to figure out how to deal with the aftermath of it. And it's, it's maddening to me. Well, that has always been the methodology of the gun control lobby. Take an isolated but horrendous event... Mm -hmm. appeal to public emotion mm -hmm. and a certain amount of illogic. Don't pay attention to technical details. Don't pay attention to the specifics of the laws that may be involved and simply expand the area of regulation and ultimately prohibition. They've done that again and again and again, and always by using some inflammatory term, weapons of war, assault, firearms, and this machine guns. Yeah which the average person thinks, oh, machine guns, that's you know, Al Capone, that's the Saturday Night Massacre, it's a, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, etc. We don't want machine guns, we don't want weapons of war, we don't want assault firearms on the streets of our cities. Mm -hmm. Therefore, something should be done, and we're not too concerned if what is done violates the rules of administrative procedure, violates the rules of administrative law, violates the rules of statutory law, and maybe even violates the Constitution. Dr. Vera, why, you know, the, the Second Amendment is 27 words. Why is there so much controversy Confusion. about that? Why isn't it, it's clear cut, it's written clear cut, why are there so many different angles on that? Well, I think it's, uh, on the one hand, it, it's a certain amount of confusion, uh, as, as always comes into any debate on constitutional questions. I mean, there are people that are trying to grind axes on one side or the other side or multiple sides. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, uh, the first 13 words of the Second Amendment uh, have been, shall I say, demonized 
in the sense that there are a lot of people running around in this country, have been for decades, who call themselves militia when they are really not. Mm. And they've given something of a bad name to that concept. Now, if you look in the actual statutes, besides the Constitution of the United States, if you look in the actual statutes, the statutes say at the congressional level and at, in most states that everyone who was not a member of the National Guard or the so-called naval militia, which is a naval component of the National Guard, is a member of what the statutes call the unorganized militia. Mm-hmm. So whether you like it or not, statutorily, as well as in the Second Amendment, this concept of a militia in which people are supposed to participate through the right to keep and bear arms is there in the law. Now, in every state that I've ever looked at, the so-called unorganized militia is exactly that. It's, it's un- unorganized. It does pretty much nothing. The governors usually have some residual authority to call those people forth if certain types of emergency situations arise. Mm-hmm. But my view of this would be very simple. The unorganized militia there in the statutes, the governors and the president of the United States has have statutory authority to call these people forth. If they were called forth to perform militia functions, they would have to be suitably armed in some way. Mm-hmm. That is, in a way that would enable them to perform those functions. And two of those functions are to repel invasions and to suppress insurrections. Mm-hmm. So you can think of the type of firearms people in the unorganized militia should be allowed to have even if they had to buy them themselves in the free market, so that they would be capable, if the president called them forth, to attempt to suppress insurrections or to repel invasions. And what we see now throughout the country of various states, and in some instances localities, passing one statute or ordinance after another, preventing that from happening, preventing the average American who is a member of the unorganized militia from obtaining in the free market some firearm that would enable him to perform his statutory and ultimately constitutional duty. If the President of the United States, forget the governors for the moment, if the President of the United States called these people forth. Right. So every one of these statutes, on the face of it, is a violation not only of the Second Amendment, but of these various federal statutes under the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. A state cannot pass a statute that violates or interferes with a federal statute. End of discussion. But nobody wants to talk about this, especially, if I may point to one particular culprit, the NRA. Okay, fair enough. They are dead silent about this. You you can't get anywhere with those people in, I won't even say pushing them, just prodding them a little bit to come out and say, well, wait a minute, this is not simply an individual right to personal self-protection. That's important. But it is a right of people to participate in these constitutional entities for the greater good of securing the free state concept within their own states and within the country as a whole. Is that just harder messaging? Like, what do you think is preventing them from, you know, grabbing on to what our founders intended? Uh, I have a kind of cynical interpretation of this. The NRA was not very involved in dealing with gun control until the early 1970s. Mm-hmm. In fact, they supported the, the uh, Federal Firearms Act of 1934, of 1939. Mm-hmm. Right. I think they supported, at, at some stage, the 1968 statute even. Mm-hmm. But it became apparent to some people in the NRA that, wait a minute, gun control was going to lead to some very serious inroads on the ability of average Americans to possess firearms of all types. So in 1975, they came out with their Institute for Legislative Action, which is basically a lobbying 
and public relations outfit. Mm-hmm. And that's fine as far as it goes. Sure. But they didn't want to focus on the first 13 words of the Second Amendment because this militia concept had become muddled in public perception. Mm. So they came up with this individual right to keep and bear arms for personal protection. And many, many, uh, what I call talking heads or scholars, or people who, who write articles in law journals and uh, other places, have spent a great deal of time focusing on this aspect of the Second Amendment. And I'm not saying that that's not part of the Second Amendment, but it's a small part of the Second Amendment. Gotcha. And the NRA made that the centerpiece of all of its lobbying and all of its public relations. And now they're kind of caught. Hmm. Because now they would have to say, oh, wait a minute. We didn't emphasize the militia concept, and because we didn't do that, we're now getting these things like the bump stock ban rammed down our throats. Hmm. We better change our approach. And of course, very few people like to admit error. especially when that era has gone on for, what, since 1975? Well, we're talking 30 years here, 40, almost 40 years, right? And that's especially true of people who write articles in law journals and uh, you know, other academic publications. As I say about intellectuals, intellectuals are people who need dump trucks to carry their egos around in back of them, <laughs> right? They do not want to admit that the obvious mm. escaped them, mm. that the Second Amendment has 27 words, not 14. And the thing that is necessary to the security of free state is not some individual cowering in his cellar, even with an AR-15 and a thousand rounds of ammunition. It's a well-regulated militia. That's what the Constitution declares to be necessary. Mm -hmm. And in order to make that happen, we want everyone, and that's everyone from 16 years of age on up, as long as he is able-bodied and not senile, uh, we want everyone to possess and be trained and ready to use appropriate firearms, unless those persons are conscientious objectives, and then we'll find something else for them to do in the Mm -hmm. militia. Mm -hmm. Can't require them to have arms, but they could do many other worthwhile things. And that was the history of (laughs) the militia during the colonial period, during the period of independent states. They organized everybody, they armed everybody, they trained everybody, and the conscientious objectives were given some uh, non-firearms related activity to perform. And as a result... The entire community was organized, and they never heard of the concept gun control. Mm-hmm. Gun control for them was everyone being armed and trained. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right? And until you have that concept reinstalled and re-energized in this country, you will be fighting these gun control battles interminably, and I predict in the long run unsuccessfully. Mm. Because they have already done things, such as in Massachusetts and and California and and Maryland recently in the last three, four, five years, that are such blatant violations of any conceivable interpretation of the Second Amendment that you can only say, my goodness, the electorate has been completely brainwashed. The politicians and judges have been completely brainwashed. And so we're going to see more of this in the future. Yeah. Well, I really, I pray you're wrong, but I... I hate to say it, but I, I feel like you're probably more right than than not. But we have got to wrap up, unfortunately. But I really want to have you back on again and, and maybe dig into another huge uh, threat that we have. It's not even looming on the horizon anymore. It's a reality in a lot of places, and that's those red 
flag gun confiscation laws. We don't have time to dig into them today. Oh, yes. I would oh, very yes. much love to discuss those with you um, in the not-so-far uh, future if you'd come back on. Well, whenever it's convenient for you. Fantastic. Well, before we run away, please tell folks how can they uh, stay connected with you, if that's possible, or uh, read your multitude of books that you've written, um, purchase some for themselves. So tell us uh, how we can do that. Well, my books, uh, CD, DVD, are all available at Amazon.com. Where else, of course? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and if one goes to uh, the Internet, puts in my name in conjunction with Second Amendment or militia, there are a number of video and audio presentations that people have put up where I have given talks uh, at one place or another. And then uh, two websites newswithviews.com that's one word newswithviews.com look up my archive there or they could go to edwinviera.com which is essentially a holding pen for all of the articles that that I write and put up on the internet and you'll see from the titles of the articles that quite a few of them deal with the militia the second amendment the right to keep and bear arms what we've been talking about absolutely such good work. Thank you so much for all you're doing. We will definitely have you back on again soon. Thank you, Dr. Edwin Vieira. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary coming up right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is in Old Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is the part of the show where we get to celebrate our ordinary, everyday heroes who are our responsibly armed citizens. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. So how many of us have heard people say that citizens have no need of guns 
because that's the job of the police. Well, this week's report is something to share with those particular friends and naysayers. You see, sometimes time does not allow for phone calls and 911 operators and conveying the nature of our emergency and our address and travel time in order for the police to come and help us out. Almost every time danger strikes, we must be our own immediate responder. Well, this week's report is so chilling that I really am just going to let you hear the news reporters tell you what happened. But while you listen, please put yourself in the shoes of the man who was ambushed in his own home, knowing that his children were mere steps away from danger's violence and the wife who helped save all of their lives because she is a responsibly armed citizen. Lindy, they want people to stay vigilant this holiday season. This happened just as this man had arrived home after running a few errands. He was just about to open his front door, and that's when he was jumped. This all unfolded shortly before 9 o'clock last night. This was in the 3700 block of Graceland on the near north side. Those two suspects forced this man inside his own home. They pistol whipped him, shot him in and then that man's wife got involved. The suspects knocked her down, demanded cash. She then ran to the kitchen to grab some money, but at some point she was able to get her hands on a gun herself and fired a shot and scared those intruders off. This morning, police are reminding people just to be smart this holiday season. What I would encourage in this, you know, is just kind of any time of the year, just to be aware of your surroundings. Uh, make sure that, you know, you if you're going to go to the store, you know, lock your doors. Make sure you pay attention to anyone that's around your vehicle. And this is really scary. We're told that there were even two small children inside the home when this happens. Luckily, both of them are doing okay. This morning, though, that male homeowner is recovering in the hospital, and police are still looking for those two suspects last seen wearing gray clothing and masks on their faces. Anybody with information is asked to call Metro Police or Crime Stoppers. That number is 262-TIPS. Send it back to you in the studio. Alexa. Just because you live on Graceland Road doesn't mean you're protected. <laughs> well, if that isn't the truth. Well, we are really short on time, and I want to get right into Dan's commentary. Mm. Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. What would you do? When the right restrictors take your firearms away, what would you do? Hmm. That's, you know, it's happening. I mean, look at California. They're not doing it overnight. Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing one little bit at a time so that you do nothing. Mm. Now, I'm not one of those kind of guys that has uh, 10,000 rounds of ammo. Well, may maybe a little bit, but I don't have 10,000 rounds of ammo set up waiting for the day that we have to fight for our rights. Mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of looking at an easier way. And the easiest way I know how to fight mm -hmm. is a way that you all should be fighting right now. And that's by voting, calling your congressman, and by 
voicing and talking and letting people know that guns are not bad. Mm-hmm. But we are, I mean, just look at what happened in Germany. You know, they went to the Jews. They didn't take their guns away the first day. Mm-hmm. They gradually took their guns away so that when they were ready to fight, it was too late. Absolutely. Let's don't wait till it's too late. Let's get out there and vote. Let's get out there and call our congressmen and get out there and talk. California used to be one of the biggest places in the whole country to go to gun shows. I used to fill my truck full of guns and come back. There used to be the best manufacturers, the best everything there. It's gone. I know. That's in less than a generation. All right. We got to wrap up. Thank you so much to our tech crew, our listeners, and our guests. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. There's some elected officials right now that it would be in question to whether or not I would want to pray for them or not. Those are especially the ones you need to pray for, Dan. All of them. Okay. Be, Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.